We'll see how but long. But if, if, if you don't let him get it out, though, then he starts interrupting you. So this start. is what you guys have been doing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you haven't missed a I, lot. <laughs> and this is how I find out? <laughs> this show is not for the easily offended. So if you are easily offended, go listen to something else. comic book noise everybody thanks for tuning in we're still going strong after 10 years we were just joking that i thought that might be the end of the show but no in fact not only are we still going we're going even stronger with all four by having hosts. and by having halloween episode part two uh sure why not phil whatever you want to do right. it's your world phil we're just living Wait, in the, it the a team is here we're going stronger yeah you're the one that promises the A-team and fails to deliver, Kevin. That was uh, WBX Whirlwind Kevin from the Icebox. Say hi, Kevin. Hello. And starting us off was Phil the Water. Say hi, Phil. Good day. And lastly, our superstar, Super Steve from the Bunker. Say hi, Steve. Yay. Hi. So here we all are, gentlemen. Gathered together. It's so weird to be here after such a momentous occasion and to have us all here. Indie Comic Book Noise, part of the Deliberate Noise Network. What's that you say? It's a collection of awesome podcasts and lifestyle brands. You can hear shows such as the content of Discovery Warner Brothers comic books in DC Noise. And likewise, the products of the wholly owned subsidiary of the Disney Corporation, Marvel penned and hosted by the wonderful super steve super steve how's that marvel noise going it's going we got a <laughs> halloween episode that's worth checking out our halloween episodes are always fun it's not me and jerry mcdade doing tomb of dracula but it's sort of the next best thing so <laughs> yeah so we need to lure master mcdade back to the dungeon but until then check out marvel noise at marvelnoise.com and you can check out old episodes and show notes of this very podcast at IndieComicBookNoise.com. As always, we thank Derek for everything. He's the one that makes everything run. You can find the show on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Find some of the hosts on Twitter. I don't know if they're on Facebook. Kevin and I are on Blue Sky. I'm on Mastodon. So we're pretty well covered everything. Kevin says he's mere moments away from dropping the indie comic noise nft so look out for those <laughs> wow you heard from the those because <laughs> those really took off didn't they yeah. i mean that was a, that was an idea that sounded good and then it was it well did. executed <laughs> did, did it sound as good as ai oh, it was ridiculous so we just wanted to get the riffraff out of the way before we drop ours you know, you can't be in with the hoy polloi. But as you heard from the beginning of the show, we may have strong concepts, bad language, all sorts of weird things. But I always say we're never controversial. Then Kevin contradicts me sometimes and says, Kevin, what are you going to say yeah, this time? Th that, that's what you want to see when Bing is asking you how they can help you today. And one of those things is draw a comic. No, Bing. No. I'm waiting for Skype to draw my comic. <laughs> yes. And then someone's going to look at that and say, I wait, I thought computers were drawing comics 20 years ago. So uh, I thought I would start our show with uh, Andy being dumb segment. We all love them. As oh. a lot of listeners know, I like to get books out of the library. And I check them out on the computer. So lately I've been doing all that Wally Wood stuff. So I checked out this cool book. And went down to the library, and I walk up to the thing and grab it, and I'm like, this looks very familiar. <laughs> and then check it out, get it home, and it's a book I've read before. So I checked out The Best of Wits End again. At least, oh, you, nice. didn't, at least you didn't buy it this time. So yeah. it's, almost, 
It's almost like having it on the shelf. Yeah, so it was great. <laughs> it was so funny because I just flipped through and looked at the art and read the text pieces. The only comics I read in it were, of course, the Steve Ditko, Mr. A. <laughs> those, 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 if you don't laugh reading Mr. A, I don't know what's wrong with you. Mr. A hold. <laughs> One I, where he I lets just, Angel die. At the end. I just recently started getting into his work. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. It's, I think it's a hoot. I, I mean, I guess some people get really worked up about it or whatever, but I think it's just, first of all, it's so well done. Second of all, it's just so over the top. Like, enjoy it, people. I mean, if you believe in it, great, but it's just so crazy and out there. And yeah, he just lets the guy die. Anyways, so it was fun look, treating it like an art book and reading the Steve Ditko stuff. Uh, in fact, I even think we talked about it on the show. It was just one of those funny ones where I was like, oh, Andy, what are you doing, you silly goose? But. Part of the problem is when you check it out in the library, you're just looking at names and titles. It was only when I saw the book and I started reading, I'm like, oh yeah. And then the other dumb thing Andy did was I started reading Black Hammer, which A is <laughs> stupid, and B. So I look up one of these idiots what? reading guide things, and some mm-hmm. asshole like gives you some fucked up reading guide thing. So I got out oh, the first trade, the one. and then. I got out this other one that was a collection of like the annual and all this shit. Uh. And I read it and I'm like, oh, that's good, but it seems not in order. So I go to the publisher's reading order and they're like, yeah, motherfucker, read this thing way later. And so I'm like, God damn these internet mm-hmm. jerk offs that I'm listening to. But at least you read the first one first though. Yeah. So. Yeah. I read the first yeah. one first and I just requested two and three out of the library. I mean, I like right. it. Wait. What'd you think of it? Come on, man. I like the art a lot. I will say. I feel like you're just giving a little attitude towards it because you want to hate it to give it to me and Kevin so bad. I like <laughs> I like Dean Ormston's art. Yeah, the original artist is, is, is pretty sweet in his style there. And I'm fine with, it just normally we're all really used to, I want to tell Marvel and DC with the serial numbers filed off because <laughs> I have a particular thing I want. Like, I want Superman to be evil and they're not going to let me have Superman be evil or I want to make Batman a panty sniffer fetishist or whatever. And DC will not let, so you need that weird whatever thing. And the problem is I'm not really so far. I don't really know like why this couldn't have been some DC. Like I don't, I haven't gotten to the, we need this. I needed to do this because DC was never going to let me do this reason i kind of feel like ever since watchmen had to do the switch from the charlton characters to these allegory characters that that's become its own genre or i I don't want to go as far as to say it's a cliche because it's a device that's used to do just what you say um you can tell these other stories but 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 yeah but there uh, that's what i was gonna uh Mm -hmm. add next is it is I think that stuff is fun. I mean, you just have to say Colonel Weird. I mean, the the whole thing is worth it just to see that scraggly, old, demented Colonel Weird dude floating around. And it's like, that's a really fun um, take on an Adam Strange type character. And, and it, that, that it's just fun. I mean, I like his, you know, doing the fake Oh Hot Moo DC encyclopedia entries for the characters like that's pretty and his original artwork thing but part of the genesis of it being from so long ago is it's a mishmash i think he's doing a pretty good job because the problem is as we've discussed endlessly the different comic ages don't really fit well together so when you jam a golden age into whatever age into a bronze age story you have to decide am i going to do a golden age style or a bronze, you know, the, the, yep. they have different distinct things. And I think he does fine with that. Like I said, I just don't know. I'm enjoying it. I don't feel any great urgency. I'll keep reading it out of the library, but if they're missing a volume or something, I'm not going to go run it down. Like I'm happy to read whatever they have. I do want to get to the justice league crossover. Cause I always love when the generic brand meets the <laughs> store brand. Like those are fun in particular. To see how they treat it and yeah i like that 
I think it was smart to inject a slight bit of humor. That is one way to bridge the gaps a little bit. And some of the characters are more appealing to others for me, like Barbalian. I like <laughs> the John Carter of Mars angle, certainly more than the uh, John Jones bit, even though it's clearly those mashed up. Like that John Carter of Mars mm-hmm. thing is a fun setting that fits irrespective of age. You can tell Golden Age, any age you can set in that setting, and it absorbs it very well. But like the House of Mystery thing, where the characters are named Bernie and Len, and they become the Swamp thing, sometimes that was a little, like, too much, you know. Kind of reminds me of those CW shows, where it'd be like Marv Wolfman Boulevard, and and this. Yeah. I get... CW shows? I used to like those more, but I feel some of them are a little too much. Like, I don't need Easter eggs every other panel. And sometimes it can take me out a little bit of the house. But it's a good character. Those always are, to the extent, you know, the character who has all this power but is trapped by their power. In fact, a lot of them are like that. You could say uh, Colonel Weird is as well. So. You know, yeah, do you think DC would allow him to do the the chain-smoking kid, Shazam? <laughs> I well, think so, because they haven't, known, really. they haven't known what the fuck to do with Shazam. Can I say this? I mean, I know they gave it a real hard shot with, what, like, Jeff Johns and some real good artists, too. I don't I remember. Dan Moore is on it now. Uh, the, the current... Here we go. We got to do the DC talk because Andrew loves the DC talk. And they did the, the one with with Mark Wade. Pretty good. And they did the the Mary Marvel one with uh, was Doc Shanner. Was he on that one? Like they've yeah. they've put some and, good talent behind it, but they haven't. It hasn't found its audience. So I think they don't know. I mean, they got two movies out. They're promoting the heck out of it. I just don't know what it takes for that thing to hit big and maybe it's bigger than i think and all the kids are talking about it but when i look at the dc rack it's 900 fucking batman titles and a superman you know so i mean i don't think it'll ever get back to the golden age when it was rivaling rivaling superman or anything you know the other lesson of the other lesson of Watchmen, which also is dc so it fits into our dc talk right here is um why tell the story with Batman and Superman if you can make your allegory characters because then you own them. Yeah. And especially when they're not really, I did like that they're, that he's so far not leaning into Batman and Superman because, (laughs) and Wonder Woman, like he is, they're all well-known characters, but they're much better. Like how many Batman and Superman analogs have we seen lately? So I am appreciative that, you know, I recognize them. Uh, so that part I get. The other problem is, I think, re- recently reading all those older, shorter stories, and so I got that miscellaneous collection, and I feel like some of these would have been better shorter even, like the Cthulhu one. That felt <laughs> like that was like a four-pager that was padded out. Because, you know, like all those twists are well-established twists, I just didn't need it over that many pages because we all see where it's going, especially just because I came off of reading all that stuff. And there's enough of the regular series that to, to, I mean, I don't really think he, I don't remember any of the out, uh, tertiary stuff as being that great. I mean, some of it's up fine, but none of it's like, you know, you really got to read it or so. Just stick with the, stick with the regular series, take the ride. Yeah, that, that's what I'm I'm getting, just whatever the live... So far, it looks like they got the first, at least eight or whatever. That the, But, lesson, go with the publisher's reading order. Don't go with some... And I know Kevin likes to fight Marvel on reading orders, but... Well, it depends if someone's trying to put the continuity in order, or they're doing some chronological order. Mm. Or then, like, a lot of times, I just go with the publishing order, because then you're you're reading it... I mean, maybe not the way it's necessarily intended, but you're reading it as it came out. So, you, like, the the weird blips in it are are different than than something else that might reveal some future story that you don't want to see. Agreed. 
Well, I think the problem was this guy wanted me to read the one story in the trade and then move. And I'm like, I'm not doing the, I read part of a trade. Because DC had that with some crop where you're like, read this one and then stop. And, you read. and I'm like, no. Your problem no. is DC. That's what I think. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm a, I, I get the trade out of the library. I'm reading the damn thing. I'm not reading half of it. Putting it down. I've read plenty of comics out of order. I mean, I'm pretty stupid, but... If I can't read a fucking superhero comic and get with it, then I got a lot more problems than that. But anyway, did you, did you get the zero issue? No, just kidding. Uh, I like. <laughs> well, I thought it was <laughs> funny <laughs> that the first series the minus one. Did you start with the minus one? Even did you get the point one issue? Even the uh, official trade skips. Yeah, I'm sure you guys know that like eleven and thirteen, and then twelve is in the next one. <laughs> like, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> Now they're playing with the thing. And I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. Like, even the official publisher is screwing with uh, you a little bit. But like I said, I'm a big boy. Uh, as dumb as I am, even Andy can read a comic book and backwards figure out what he missed or whatever. In fact, sometimes... But the, que- the, the question is, do you agree with, like, the quotes and everything on the book that it's like, oh, this is, like, the most innovative comic in years or whatever, you know, they... They, they bump it up that it's better than your regular superheroes and all that by well, guys. The quote I really loved was from Mike Mignola. He's like, I don't read superhero comics, but I read this one because it's from Dark Horse. I mean, because it's such a <laughs> great one. <laughs> I'm like, clearly you're reading it because it's a Dark Horse book. You can <laughs> admit that. And also, I think the pitch would be like, hey, here's a gigantic, complete world where you don't have to read 47 comic books a month and that's a pretty good read piece, 47 right? comic books a month dc comics well i'm talking about some of these marvel events that i've been opting out of lately i don't know i think if i could no, throw I, the I red don't, i don't I, I think marketing is trying to sell you on something and you bought into it you're also reading this like after the fact that for a while there was feeling like there was five or six uh Black Hammer titles going on. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, I think, you, I mean, I think Andrew even complained about it on this Black show. Hammer. No, I just, <laughs> I just hated every episode we had the Black Hammer update. I'm like, damn it, there's other books out there, and I would make now, Phil now tell here me you are updating us. Yeah, well, you know, I'm Black trying Hammer to provide Hammer. a service, and the service is don't listen to internet weirdos, even though right now you're listening to some internet weirdos. From one internet weirdo to another, <laughs> listen to me, not him. Yeah, exactly. But still, caveat emptor, I know better, but, you know, I was like, oh, this guy says read this in this order. Uh, internet's smart. It's people that care. No, no, it's weirdos, people. Weirdos uh, you that can, talk about comics. You, you can find anything to justify anything. So, I mean... Yeah, Dean Ormson. I wasn't familiar. I know he had credits before, but I like it. Big thumbs up. I mean, I'd look at whatever he's doing. I mean, I assume this has kept him in uh, private jets and fancy cars, but it's good stuff. I don't know. They kept on making the comics, so it must have done reasonably well. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. It's nice when, I mean, I hope he, I assume he likes it. It's kind of cool that he's got run you know sort of like the walking dead it's nice when these indie runs give you a big long <laughs> list of things to things to call your own yeah they're working on the third tv series for black hammer now oh i also didn't know incidentally phil to get to your halloween mm-hmm. so i watched renfield last night oh yeah i did I not know that. it was a kirkman skybound thing yeah, until the end yeah credits. No i was he like wrote Whoa. it too yeah. i think yeah, yeah, he wrote it, and it's got the sky bound. But it was just at the end when the credit, and I was like, "It did not crap. do well, though." I thought it was fun. I look, it's that. I don't think those yeah, no, type of fun. movies are meant to. Yeah. You know, but they cost w- not a lot, and they're just fun, silly movies. But for Kirkman making more, that's probably uh, it didn't do well, so it's probably bad for him. Well, maybe he can just stick to comic yeah. books and television you know because i think it i forget what came out around the same time and so I, I think it just had like too much competition well like i said it, i mean despite having some name actors in it i don't think it could have cost that much right 
Like, it's well-made, but it's not like it was a Marvel movie or some crazy thing. No. I don't think. I mean, the action was... I thought the action was good, Phil. Like, I'm yeah. not an expert. And Nicolas Cage, he's big in the horror scene now. Like, he's uh, he's pretty popular. Like, his weird, over-the-top acting works well in the movies he's casting now. Yeah, and he really... Get, and it was perfect in the role as, like, a hammy. And I like the guy that played... Um, Renfield, the lead guy, he was in... Yeah, Beast. He was Beast. He was also in the TV show The Great on Hulu. And and Mad Max. So he's done... And The Great, he plays Peter the Great, and he does a great... <laughs> great too much, but... It's um, interesting how he's able to play like a completely clueless guy and be the butt of a lot of jokes in that mm-hmm. show. And then you see him in this where he's playing sort of the sad, fat guy. Yeah, I think the actor's got good range. I hope he has a long career. And it was funny. It also has Aquafina in it, and she's so short, and he's freakishly tall. So with all this, he looks like he's two feet taller than her when they're standing next to each other. It just made me laugh that I'm like, I mean, maybe she's like three feet tall. I don't know, but he looks monstrous next to her. So that part always makes me laugh a little bit. But anyways, I'm blathering on like an idiot doing your public service announcement. But hey, so. that's kind of an indie comic movie in a way. Yeah. Since it's, since yeah, it's right. Kirkman. And that's our show, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so I got Steve. A, yeah, I yeah. got a dark I got another dark horse book to go along with your Black Hammer. And it's a recent book. It just finished up eight issues ran from fall of 22 to through this summer. Written by, well, co-plotted by Kevin Smith and uh, Andy McElfrish, who also scripted the book. And McElfrish um, used to write for The Tonight Show when it was under Jay Leno. And he and Kevin Smith do a podcast together called Edumacation. And uh, they did a book together, that kind of thing. Um, And the art is by John Sprengelmayer, who it's very um, pop artish, uh, stiff looking, but uh, very clean and bold, and um, is makes for nice shapes for the colorist to really fill in a lot of nice colors and make the book be nice and bright, even though it's dealing with dark stuff and there's a lot of blood and bullets and everything else. The name of the book is Masquerade, and it's a lot of things. This book, it's like. Uh, it's the story of a new guy coming to work for a media star and learning the ropes, but slowly getting deeper into the weeds that he wasn't expecting. It's the story of a compound, this um, shape-shifting goo that can change or repair faces, but it also makes you mentally unstable. So that's a that's a big uh, side effect. It's, it's, it's the story of the scientist who lost control of her creation to corporate interests and has the chance to try to make things right. It's the story of, of a survivor of a group of orphans that were discarded and then used in scientific experiments, all of them dying except for one. It's the story of a, a, a cabal of evildoers that joined together for greed, but then become hunted down one by one off a kill list because of their past deeds. It's the story of a badass, armored, female ninja vigilante type who's totally kicking ass. And it's the story of a reality TV star social media influencer who uses her platform to trap sexual predators. She sets them up and then outs them on social media live. A lot of stuff in this book. Uh, Any two of these things could have been developed into a series. And there's a lot thrown in here, and 
add in the blood and guts, and you got yourself a pretty good first installment of the new Kevin Smith imprint uh, within Dark Horse. I didn't even oh, know he's he doing had a whole a, bunch. Yeah, I didn't know he had yeah. an imprint. This is the first one. The first. Do you book. know any of the others coming out? I don't. I saw his. There's like a five minute YouTube video of him talking mm-hmm. to comic retailers about the initiative and kind of talking as a fellow yeah. comic book retailer since <laughs> he owns that uh, secret uh, stash place. Funny, uh, unlo- yeah, well. And then he he talks about doing this book with um with uh, Mikel Frisch and uh, how good the art is and how um uh, kind of what the tone of the book is and saying that this is the first uh, offering and that he's you know written for all these other companies and written all these other characters and now he's doing it for himself through Dark Horse. Yeah, I always liked his uh, Green Arrow when he when he brought Green Arrow back. Yep. Has he issued an apology for why issue two is late? Yeah, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Only I like. Hey, I loved all those uh, old Clark comics he did, like the Jim yep. food and the, I thought they were really funny. He, he didn't do Widening Gyre, the sequel. Oh, you know those those quick um, shorts or quick stops that uh, I talked about on one of the past shows. Uh, that was a little anthology of different uh, vignettes from within the Viewers Universe movies. Um, with all different artists, there's a second volume of that coming out too. So I believe those are were both within, uh, you know, under this new imprint too. It's just that this masquerade took so long to come out that uh, that was able to happen, you know, with, within it. In the imprints same time are frame. hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Image is launching all these imprints now. If if the publisher's willing to make the deal, why not? Right. Even DC's doing imprints again. They they said oh, no. Here we go. Are done. Imprints are back. I'm getting the DC bell. Ding. <laughs> hey, I like it. So cool book. It'll work good in a trade. Mm-hmm. You said it was eight issues, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a big story. A lot of components. A lot of moving parts. A lot of different kind of a lot of concepts in here that are just kind of all thrown together, but it all works. And it's like, wow, it's this and this and you know, it's this kind of a story. Oh, well, it's this kind of a, it's a lot of things that make you think of other stories, um, but uh, not all thrown together. It worked, though. All right. Who wants to go next? Guess what I read? I don't know. What did you read? Was it something about oh. Black Hammer? Oh. No, was but it not far off. You're you're pretty good. I mean, I gotta congratulate you with that. Yes, because I was with this comic. I was I was like, oh yeah, who's that character based on again? Because I got a Jeff Parker book from uh, Dynamite. Hmm, interesting. I I've heard of Dynamite. It's got to be I've a pulpy character, too, so. <laughs> I mean, you're not that far off. So, the shadow? Do you remember Negaduck? I do not. Uh, you could say he's, no. he's Darkwing Duck's uh, evil doppelganger, or, or as uh, Negaduck says, uh, Darkwing Duck is, is his double, like, it's not... The other way around. Oh, so it's not a character from the 40s. It's one of the Disney ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I know they also do all them old pulp ones, which I enjoy. Well, I've, I've probably never bought so many uh, Dynamite books. I, I used to pretty <laughs> much steer I like reading, clear from... Uh, yeah, I like reading Vampirella once in a while. I mean, we'd read an occasional, I don't know, what what was it, uh, Sheena of the Jungle or whatever, you know, they they might have more tattooing that or whatever, and you'd be like, you read one issue and go, that's okay. Yeah, I've picked it up, for, I've picked up their different ones from time to time. I only did the Disney ones that had the, the Jennifer L. Meyer was doing covers for the uh, Maleficent, so I just picked up, if I saw her cover, those are the only ones I bought, because I just like her artwork. But I can't always find, you know, 
I don't know if Negaduck's the same, but for a lot of those books, Dynamite loves variant covers. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah, like no doubt. In the in the back of this issue, they spend three pages just showing you all the different covers because they can have the regular cover, the black and white cover, then the logo list cover, and then the virgin cover, and it's just on and on and on and on. Well, that's where they spend all their money. I mean, from friends of mine in the field uh, who have worked for the company, it's it's a it's very difficult to negotiate for a, a inadequate sequential artist to to work on the book. And even if they start out with one, um, the chances of finishing whatever arc you got with the same artist is slim. Um, it's 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 a hard it's, it's a hard situation for a writer who's used to having really professional pages turned in some of yeah, that stuff I, can be really bad yeah i don't know if it makes it different with the like with the disney books with gargoyles and everything like i don't know if like they're like oh we got to have a tighter handle on the wheel here like maybe some properties are just like do whatever you want but i thought maybe I they mean, could get people who really like the property so maybe they take a bit of a discount sure to work on, or maybe yeah. they're like this is a popular character. I can sell the original art for, you know, it's like a known, like you say, it's not Sheena who has fans, but like Darkwing Duck probably has loads of fans that are hungry to pay big money. for. I think so. Commissions and stuff, I so. think it was kind of weird that IDW, like G.I. Joe got like the inferior artists, but Transformers always had great artists. <laughs> like, I don't know if like the, the Transformers fandom with, with like, I gotta draw this book was like way stronger than the GI Joe fandom. Like that was some weird thing you could never figure out. And you'd think the Transformers would be way more work, anyways. Yeah, they all I know is come uh, out on top. As someone piecing together some of that GI Joe stuff, it it's not all cheap back issues either. It's a no. pain in the butt getting those. Yeah. And I'm talking the IDW run. I'm not even talking yeah. the Marvel run. Like, ugh, I don't know. I think it's just sitting in collectors people that maybe don't buy a ton of comics but are yeah focused on a property so they bought them all up and they're not unloading i mean i bought a bunch recently and i'm slowly piecing it together but man i'm i'm glad i'm not in a hurry yeah i think that the same thing happened to the previous darkwing duck series like people were into it then it went away and then it just disappeared and went up in price so i was just like I don't think it, the funny thing is I think I have the first issue of the Darkwing Duck series for whatever reason I never got around to it. Sad. Uh, I blame Marvel Noise. Uh, <laughs> for real, the, the struggle read, is real. Having to read those eighteen issues of Nova or whatever, I'm just like, sorry, Darkwing Duck. I'm not going to get to that first issue. <laughs> so the first issue of me having to. Uh, like read uh, uh, from that universe is this Negaduck where it's like it's the villain story, but I mean it's it's a pretty in- enjoyable take where it's, it's like he gets out of jail and he's like oh they were watching this but they weren't watching that and he was able to construct something and get out of jail and he's like oh I have all these plans and then he like goes to his like backup base and he's like oh this is the only place I could I ha- I could find the keys for it just it reminded me of that whole thing. Where we had that whole Thunderbolts bit, and it was just like, how many stashes of armor and money does Aid have around the country? Like, it started gets into some of that stuff, and he has all these plans, but then he finds out, like, other villains in the city are, are like, doing his stuff, or then he's really depressed. He's like, well, why am I coming up with plans that, that, that all these B-listers have? Like, I'm an A-lister. So, yeah, he, he keeps on having... Like, coming up with, or then he thinks he's having, like, some kind of, uh, not a stroke, but some kind of, um, I don't know if he's getting old or what his deal is, right? But he's just, he's like, I have all these plans, but they're not as good as they used to be. And then all these new uh, or dumb villains are, like, doing plans that I would do, and he's not, uh, he's not having it. He's not happy. So do you feel if you don't know Darkwing Duck or anything, this is still good? Or you feel like 
it's really for the fans of these properties. Because I don't know shit about Darkwing Duck, I'll be honest. I mean, I know, I've, I know I could recognize the character, but I don't think I've watched Ditto. an episode or read a comic or anything. Ditto. I mean, I like ducks. I like duck comics, but I don't know the Darkwing Duck much. Since it's sort of based on, like, uh, like Darkwing is Batman, and, like, all of these are, like, characters that are, like, it's like the Kirkman model, basically. You know, he did Invincible, and then he has a snake villain, and he doesn't really give you an origin, and, like, but you know what a snake villain is like and what he does compared to how he's presented in other media and at Marvel and DC. There's a lot of that going on here. So well, I'm Andrew- sure you can just fill in the gaps. And on it, the other end, yeah, I watched the cartoon and everything, but I haven't seen it in like 20 years. It was really good at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I can read this, no problem. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that, that guy that, that's like a lightning bolt. Yeah, I remember him, like good gigavolt or whatever. And yeah, I'm because like, Andrew was saying before that he wanted another Batman allegory. Yes. <laughs> I really feel that's an underserved market. If there aren't just... Like, what about Batman, but he's a duck? You know, that's just what... <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's it's a good take, and it's, it's like, you, you could say it was an older take. And, you know, one of the one of the variant covers is, is actually, I'm, I'm sure it's a takeoff of, like, one of those, it's like a Jim Lee uh, Batman cover where Batman's, like, on a gargoyle, but instead it's, like, Negaduck on a gargoyle, and I'm just like, wow. But, like, Darkwing Duck isn't showing up in here to, to like, stop the bad guys. Or like, And I'm thinking, well, what's going to happen? Is, is it going to be a Thunderbolt thing where it's going to be bad guys against bad guys? And I almost expected him to be like, i got to save the, the city from, like, these incompetent villains or whatever. I'm a better villain than they are. But it never really gets to that level. But you, you know how you can justify anything on this podcast and go, well, it would be totally indie if we did that instead of that because doing something different would be totally indie. Well, he gets to a point where he's like, well, what's more evil than stealing someone else's plan even though you didn't come up with the plan? It's like he starts justifying all his, like, well, this would be totally evil if I did this instead. So I think he's going to, he's like stolen someone else's bit and he's going to, well, the cool thing is I'm like, okay, what are they going to do? Like some, the, the, all these villains have plans. They're setting these things up, and everything. Darkwing's not around, and then they're like, "Well, I got this totally." Le-. And then I'm like, "Okay, we're we just gonna do some like they're gonna rob some banks and drown some cities and stuff." All of the drowning the city thing was kind of kind of neat, but it's like, no, if we have like, if we remember like Midas, he had like, if his hand turned things into gold, and they're like. We had this glove, like an Infinity Gauntlet, uh, and it can turn anything else into gold. Then we wouldn't need to steal and do all this stuff, and it would be perfectly legal just to turn anything we wanted into gold, and then we could be rich. And I'm like, that, that's that's pretty smart. I like that. It is weird, the incestuous nature. I think I mentioned on Sister Show Marvel Noise, I bought some of the Disney covers, <laughs> and they have a mock-up of... Uh, Nasty Peter, whoever that guy is, with the Infinity Gauntlet on one of the <laughs> Disney variants. And I'm like, Darkwing Duck, Disney character at Dynamite, now with an allusion to that. Like, it's just funny how all this stuff is the same pile of ideas. All right, so is this just issue number one, Kevin? You going to keep buying, or where are we at? Uh, yeah, if I see the issue two, I'll buy it. I mean, the art's good, too. It's, like, all cartoony and in... And what, like what you would expect from like the cartoon and everything. And there's a lot of detail, a lot of color. It's it's pretty fun. All right, Phil, do you got anything you want to say this uh, time? Yeah, I uh, recently pick up the trades. Well, remember when you were reading Spawn last time, <laughs> Andrew? That was a while ago, Phil. But yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I dropped off right when he started the new series. You kept going, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was all I was on that Spawn train, Phil, for. A good few months. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, cause for me, what turned me off is, like, you're starting a universe and you're putting out, like, two other Spawn books and then a Team Spawn book, like, instead of doing, like, some characters that aren't Spawns. I felt but that I, it, the launch was really 
muddy from my perspective. Mm -hmm. It wasn't new reader friendly and felt like a lot of the same nonsense and not really. I I don't think it was, yeah, really new reader friendly for sure. And uh, I don't know if you've seen the new, like the news, but they announced ten more Spawn series. What? Yeah. How uh, was that pot? Like, I guess that one crazy, sold eh? really well, but well, these these other ones, they're not late. Like, they're in the mid twenties or something. Like the series right now, like he's he's banging them out. That's crazy, but, considering Spawn was like a low seller at one point. Yeah. So next year, ten more come out. So there's a Salmon Twitch one. Uh, Deadly Tales of Gunslinger, so that's the second Gunslinger book. Wow. Well, I do like the other one because of the Brett Booth art. Oh, me too. I love Brett Booth ever since Backlash. Do they have enough artists for all this? Like, who are they going to be drafting? Oh, it's got to be a bunch of different people. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Deadly Tales of Gunslinger. Misery, I have no clue what that would be. Focus, no clue what that would be. A Medieval Spawn book again. Uh, Violator, Dark Ages. Rat City, No Home Here, Spawn Kills Every Spawn. So those are the ten titles. Some of these have got to be limited series, though, right? You figure, Phil? Like, yeah. You oh, would yeah. think so. Sure. Yeah, they got to be. But, like, Simon Twitch, that's one I figured he should have had in this first run. Like, that would have been a good one, you know? So I'm glad that's coming. But I picked up the trades for the three series because the first trades are cheap. And uh, King Spawn is should just be a story in the main spawn book basically how far did you read andrew not i think i only made it maybe two to three issues into each of the new titles and i just yeah. wasn't i felt i don't know like i said the storytelling isn't for me i feel it's very chaotic and hard to follow and things jump around in a way that doesn't appeal to me or is understandable well, King Spawn, I found it like it's a Spawn book, but easier to digest. So I kind of found that it was easier to digest for people who maybe don't want to get into the muddiness of the main series. Yeah, I don't. And I'll also be honest, none of them stuck with me. So I couldn't yeah. tell you anything about any of those. What were they? Did come out two years ago? I couldn't tell you a single I think so. or artist or well, whatever. It just washed over. I'm me. actually... Well, I really enjoyed, like, I kind of liked all of them, but uh, I really, but I've read a lot of Spawn over the years, but I really enjoyed the Gunslinger one. I think like, you like also have, you like the 90s. Brett Booth. You bought all that Rob Liefeld, like, that's your jam. Oh, yeah. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Like, no, that's for sure. Your base. But... And for me, I'm still learning about the night. Like, it's still figuring out the tropes. I'm glad you're liking it. I mean, that's cool. I do miss the 90s. Well, yeah, like, I like it enough where I would pick up the other trades. Like, for sure, I'm going to collect Gunslinger because, I don't know, I'm really attached to that character. I I hate his long hat, like, so much. But even in this series, they explain why his hat is long, so I'm like, okay, I'll live with it. Because basically he just hides a knife up there, that's why, but... But uh, but I don't know. There's just something about him I really like, and he's like, he's weaker than other spawns, so it kind of makes it a little more fun when he's getting in these fights and stuff. He relies more on the weapons, and uh, and I just like western stuff too. But yeah, the Brett Booth stuff. Oh, I I'm a big fan of Brett Booth, and I like that we're seeing him again in comic books. For sure. Yeah, and and then like when he was doing Backlash, like pers- for me, I would love to see him do more Backlash. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm I, when the ten series come out, I'm gonna definitely collect some of them. But uh, there's no way I'm getting all ten. <laughs> I don't think that's, I'm. I'm that's getting crazy. back on the. I mean, maybe if I read some trades or something. But right now, I'm on the GI Joe Transformers Skybound train. So that's cool. that's the one I've jumped yeah. on. I've I've been getting mm-hmm. Void Rivals. I got the Transformer book. I, I have the, the Void other. Rivals. That's where they're introducing them, right? Yeah. That's where they're yeah, uh, more of the one. Transformers stuff, but I'm sure they'll yeah. get around to it. I mean, Kirkman knows how to write what I call popcorn comics that are just fun, turn the page, light entertainment, and then go on to the next thing. Sort yeah. of. Yeah, I enjoy I also it. Liked, but... I also liked when Tim Seeley was doing like Thundercats and stuff like that, He Man and that, because he, him and Robert Kirkman, they both have a big love for those cartoons, you know. Yeah, Thundercats is coming back. Oh yeah, by who? Uh, like is it a Robert Kirkman one too? 
Oh, it was, no. um, it's a Declan Shelby. Wow. Or do I have that wrong? It was someone like that anyway. Well, I look forward to the inside liner notes spoiling the comic. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> a little callback to all you Declan Shelby fans out there. Um, as I spoiled in last episode, Phil, I've been getting into the 90s. Mm-hmm. You've inspired me. Yeah, I love the 90s. So, I, as everyone knows, I picked up Spoof Comics number three, Wolverbroad. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I, I <laughs> got into a bad parody phase, and I really regret getting a lot of those parody comics. So, it's, it's very rare you find a good one, you know. I was What I was Fine. doing, as everyone knows, but I, know I that think one. I mentioned this, is I filled up, you know, when you're eBay, sometimes you throw in a few books because you're paying for shipping anyway. Mm-hmm. So this is a company, they're, uh, they're an imprint of Personality Comics, who used to do all those unauthorized biographies and porn comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So for a hot minute, they decided to do spoof comics. And they have a lot of them, too. That, the, the one title ran a lot, and then a lot of specialty ones. For a couple yeah. years, this is 1992, I thought they did a pretty smart job, like Jim Ballant does the cover, so they land like a good cover artist. You know, say, I mean, he's very 90s, but say what you will. Oh, the spoof is, it's all these characters, usually they're just lady forms. So Wolverbrod is Wolverine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lobo is called Hobo, and it's a woman. And so the there's art, a Silver Surfer one. Our yeah, team, Dominic, Corolla, Nick, Napolitano, and then Anchors, Mike Swift, Smith, Willard, Petri. It's black and white, but it's done in a very, like, slick looking art. Like, not, like, it's still 90s, but it's, well, these are people with credits to their name you've heard of and very slick. And the story itself is fine. You know, it's Wolverine jokes, the best at what I do and blah, blah, blah. They kind of make themselves, they're not particularly good. I just like it as an artifact. For instance, they put trading cards in. So this has mm-hmm. three trading cards, including this cover by Jim Ballant. But there's no perforations or, or lines or anything. It's just a card a cheap cardboard insert. They have a Fred Hembeck one. And the third oh. one doesn't credit the artist. <laughs> it's just the character on it. So the other part I love about this is there's a four page center story by Fred Hembeck giving the origin of this character. So mixed in with the slick nineties art is Fred Hembeck, Wolverbrod, and the character. There's one running gag. Look, it's four pages so they can get away with it, but it's, weapon pg-13 because her lady bits are always strategically covered and the characters in the book always comment on that like oh man you really can't see anything <laughs> and then much like the rest of the books like that too like they're in swimsuits and revealing outfits but there's never nudity you know what i mean it's always that kind of cheesecakey line so so you struck out when you were looking for your pervy comic yeah so a total yeah. bust but i did like that the one gender flip they do do is they make Jubilee a boy. <laughs> and Wolverbrod goes back, but it's really fun for the Fred Hembeck. And I just mm-hmm. thought it was interesting. They decided to go with, like I said, Jim Ballant and that kind of slick 90s stuff and then put a Fred Hembeck. And for those of you unfamiliar, it's very cartoony with the squirrely. Like, I like him a lot, but he is not that kind of pinuppy art at all. So it was a funny juxtapositioning, but the problem is like, I'm not going to read any more of these and now I need to find someone to give this comic. <laughs> yeah. I think uh spoof comics turned into parody press after too. Maybe I, I know, like I said, they were an imprint yeah. of this personality comics. You know, that was like they would have unauthorized. And so for a while that was kind of controversial. And then eventually once the market collapsed, diamond was like, sure. But I mean, they had, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti's working on these books as well. Like, they have people who either had a career or go on to one. Unlike some of the books I can talk about, which I don't know what happened. You know, they only did one or two books and that was it. Yeah, I don't, can't really recommend this other than it's just a weird artifact of the time. But yeah, I also or don't if... regret getting it because it's kind of a funny thing. 90s book but i will say the storytelling is solid it doesn't have some of the life eldian jumps bill so you might not like it 
where you're like, wait, mm-hmm. where did these characters come from? What? How did they entirely switch position in the panel and all that? But on yeah, the other the hand, knees. the story is pretty flat. And it's just her going to Madrabor. And it's funny, like, she puts on an eye patch, but everyone recognizes her. Just sort of pointing out some of the silliness of Wolverine, which in 1992 or 3 was probably a good person to make fun of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He could be pretty over the top to begin with, and I gotta think 90s Wolverine is probably even more over the top than late yeah, 80s I Wolverine. Think, I don't think Patch Wolverine was particularly over the top, though. Maybe not over the top, but kind of silly that he would not, that that was his disguise sort of thing. I love that disguise, though. When, and, and you know, he had that there? distinctive hairstyle. It's like <laughs> we're a Marvel DC podcast sometimes. And claws that come out of his hand. Like, just things that don't make they can release a book and they'll say, we saw the future. Look, everything we spoofed is now a thing. Well, I think there was a female Wolverine in the 90s in uh, you know, that A-Next universe. Yeah, Wild yeah. Thing, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I like that universe. Yeah, so that probably inspired uh, X-23 or whatever, maybe. And this one is very cheesecake That's what they're inspired by, is the, like, you know. 90s but guys driving but and it's not too it like it's long legs you. and curvy but and exaggerated but not reaching the heights of what the 90s would be lampooned mm-hmm. for well also from marvel no i'm just kidding uh it's wow. titan comics now but what used to be marvel is i read the first three issues of the new conan the barbarian series oh nice yeah. <laughs> This has been my most requested segment from you, Super Steve. I wanted a Conan update to see if it was better than the the Marvel series. All right, I thought you were so, say better than the free comic book day one. Well, that too. It's written by Jim Zub with art by, just incredible art by Roberto De La Torre, uh, channeling his inner John Buscema, but using techniques that are so very clearly not Buscema, um, you know, his strokes, uh, brush strokes and brush use is just masterly and getting to see him ink his own stuff. It's just a real treat. And the, the coloring is, is, is really nice on the book too. So the book looks great. Conan looks like Conan. Um, I think the scripting, is really good. I think Conan sounds like Conan. I think the inhabitants of the, um, you know, Hyborian uh, world there, they sound right. Um, I, I no no problems there. Uh, it feels like Conan when you're reading it, and it looks like Conan of old when you're reading it. Uh, I, I like that there's um, text pieces in the back kind of talking about their plans and things about Robert E. Howard and how, uh, the new character who I also don't mind at all. There's a new female character who, uh, represents how they're, see, there's always been picks in, uh, the, a race of picks in, in all the different ages that Howard wrote about. And they're, they kind of used to be smart and later were smart, but during the Conan age, they were barbaric and tribal uh, and, and kind of um, Neanderthalish. But so this female character who is not squattish and unintelligent, but a, a tall, pretty woman is a picked and she represents that there's kind of a sub tribe or a sub-civilization within the Picts that still was able to carry those genetics through to the later Robert E. Howard age. So, like, that's a fun kind of a connection thing that we might have seen Roy Thomas spend the time identifying and targeting and doing something about back in the day. I like all of that. The the letters pages, um, the the tone of answering the letters and everything, and the the maps, Kevin. I I like the maps. That's the that's good. That's the Hyborian age I remember. Um, But 
what gets it's just the, the the overall plot is what gets me. I mean, issue number one, zombies, really like a, and not just like a zombie or a few like a whole big zombie horde that's like marching through the Hyborian worlds and just decimating too much like reading a Tolkien thing with with oh. Sauron's hordes on a mass scale like that that stuff doesn't happen I mean that that's a big event in the Hyborian age I, I just it just didn't seem like it was should, Zub's place to put something like that there was a big zombie horde infestation that you know was countries wide and whatever i don't know zombies really in conan then in number two where i think they're they kind of built up to this moment where there should have been this really meaningful purpose behind it all revealed instead you just get this bright light in the sky that could have easily had been like richard dreyfus on the side of the road in close encounters and some helicopter coming up over the hill and you, you can't identify it because it's just this big bright spotlight coming on them um, this big light in the sky shines down on them, but it like immobilizes them and makes them almost have like seizures on the ground. And then when he and his companion, uh, the next thing they know, they're like surrounded by, by zombies, by the zombies, you know, and I, I don't know. It just seems <laughs> like it didn't, doesn't pay off plot wise. And then in issue three, the threat rapidly shifts all of a sudden, there's no more zombies and now it's this like reptilian cult which is all interesting and cool but i'm like well what about the whole zombie army and shouldn't there be some sort of strong connection here that's identified but it's not addressed at all i mean it might i'm I'm just following the action and enjoying the visuals but it hasn't gotten as bad as conan whipping out a lightsaber like he did in, <laughs> in jim zub's <laughs> last marvel arc i find all these properties that Dark Horse doesn't have anymore, they just don't fit in, in anywhere else, you know, like, I want them to have that back, and Star Wars, and Aliens and Predators, you know? Well, they do have a Star Wars book. Buffy, like, Buffy's been shit since then. Yeah, well, they changed the whole, they started Buffy over, that was stupid. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah, so, so I would, I recommend this book. Um, It's mm-hmm. Conan fun, um, but are you you know there's some key things of conan that feel wrong or off that are plot based but again i gotta give the guy credit that um conan sounds like conan the 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 names the places the it it's it's well scripted um, and and really well executed it's just the the plot concept stuff it's just that's not conan Sounds like they refocused somewhat after the. But that's just the Marvel first storyline too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first storyline is a giant army horde of zombies that wipes through like two countries, mm-hmm. and then. I mean, I assume they got to get back to that somehow. Where they kind of switched over to this other thing that, the other thing led them to this, but it's like I don't know. It's maybe I should wait till the arc is finished before maybe I pass come back around. Yeah, maybe he's really going to stick I'm very the landing this time. Confused Kevin. <laughs> because you recommend it, but you have all these problems with it. It's beautiful. Dilatory yeah. on Conan is—it's just worth. And the action is great. If you're just reading it and turning it in pages, it's—it's mm-hmm. it's fine. I'm—I'm just—I've read enough Conan, and I really like Conan. And I mean, I—I've got a piece of Conan. I got a commission from Dilatory. He's been doing great. Buscema like Conan artwork for the last few years. I I got my commission a year or two ago before any of this, um, you know, him getting named to the book uh, mm-hmm. happened. So it was really cool that he <laughs> got this opportunity and that he's nailing it. I hope yeah. that he's able to work fast enough that he can do it long term. Um, does your uh, does your picture look similar to the one in the comic now? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Really nice guy. Really nice guy. I'm really happy for him. And I'm certainly going to ride the train as long as he's involved. Well, guys, I read a lot of manga. All right, (laughs) Kevin, finish us off here. What have you got? 
like I, I, I was, I haven't finished it, but I first I started reading, uh, the a man and his cat. Of course, it's about a man and he 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 adopts a cat, and it, it's a it's a lot of, it's a continuing story, but a lot of short bits. Like they have a like a chapter thing, but some of the chapters are like one page, two pages. Isn't this a Jeffrey Brown book? No, just kidding. Just kidding. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? With the, with the cat. <laughs> Cat ass sticking out of the bag and all the other things. <laughs> no, it's a, it's it's actually a, a Square Enix um, publication, which is funny because I always think of them as a video game company. But sure. apparently, yeah, they, I didn't know they do manga now. Yeah, I, I, apparently in Japan they're they're they do quite a bit of manga too. So mm. I mean, that's cool. Yep. And then uh, I had to continue on that uh, creepy bent. Um, n- not like. Ito creepy, but uh, I read two volumes of Blood on the Tracks by uh, Shumu Oshimi. Wow. He's a flowers of evil guy, if, if you want to use that shorthand. Is that like a horror story or something? or um, the, the, the mother in this story is, is, is not well. I mean, there's like this foreboding and everything with, with with her son and everything, and then some of the kids are like, "Oh, your your mother is overprotective," and yeah, she goes to some um, some places. <laughs> Let me say, uh, yeah, and it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's for everyone. Like it's it's a certain type of uh, of suspense. Is there a supernatural element, or is it a slice of life mental illness thing? I would I would say it's probably more of a mental illness thing. Like I don't I don't think they're gonna have like Dexter type thing, and he's gonna be like talking about oh my dark passenger and that type of thing. But yeah, it, it's funny because you know everyone was hopped up on the decompression, and then they sort of got off of that. And but I mean I still think about it, and then I think we still have episode titles where. I broke up the stopwatch, and you can definitely <laughs> stopwatch this book. I mean, it's kind of a un- unique pacing, right? When you have like the two hundred pages and and stuff like that, you can spend time on things. Like there's an a police, not interrogation, but a, like a questioning thing with the police in like the second volume, and he he just drags the scene out for pages and pages, and you're like. Oh my God! How? how when are we going to get to the next thing? You're flipping the pages, and it's just like uh, you would—you would never do that if you didn't have the pages. Like the pacing is unreal. Like I—I I, I recently saw a page that probably had more words than the entire book in one of these volumes has, which is, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, I mean, and then the other thing I—I I read, and I was just like. I don't know why we don't have more comics like this, but I guess this is why you buy manga, right? That that uh, spy family from uh, from Viz. Oh yeah, the other one is from um, from Vertical or Kodansha, if you like. I don't know. Some spy of those companies family. Are, are, are so in, in, incestuous. You know, you, it's hard to tell who is who. Who's the parent company of who? Spy the family. Spy family is incestuous. Aren't you stealing no, that from the eighteen? Wasn't that a Dan Lee Fensek man? But don't you owe him royalties now, Kevin? I probably do. Right at the second, he's probably buying up all. all oh wait, it, it's Dan. So he'll t- be taking pictures of a lot of of uh, a manga with all his cameras, but he probably won't be buying a lot. But I'd be buying a lot. I'd be scooping up by the armfuls. But yeah, like by family, I'm like Dan was right. What can I say? When, when he what? when he tells you to hey you should be reading these Marvel comics by uh, L Ewing, you, you need to you need to take that. I hear Spy Family is kind of the popular one right now. Like it is, it, it like, is. Yeah. It's the and Chainsaw it's, Man of twenty twenty three. I think so, maybe yeah. You know, but I th- I, Chainsaw Man I think just started coming out in volumes again. Yeah, yeah, he took a break. Well, he he did those two series. Um, those two one shots in between the goodbye, uh, goodbye Erie, 
and then the look back, and then he came back to Chainsaw Man. But it was funny. I watched the first episode of Chainsaw Man. And I'm like, like, oh, this is all right. Probably need to watch another episode. Watch two more episodes, and I'm like, I'm still not seeing. So I'm thinking Chainsaw Man might might not be my thing. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Hey man, you gotta I mean, read I the comics. Like the and the blood and you gotta read the comics. You can't just watch the cartoons. Apparently, yeah. right? Screw the cartoons. Comics are better. <laughs> but yeah, Spy Family. I was just like, I, I just, I feel like there could be like a real darkness. Like it's pretty funny and comedic and everything. But I feel like there could be like a scene from. Well, that's what I wonder about the rating. It is. It is rated for teens, but. I feel like, like I think about the Americans because there is sort of like an American, like an element of that uh, that TV series in here, and I feel like at any moment, like they could just pop in a dead body and maybe break the arms and legs so the body can fit into uh, a suitcase. Like I feel like that moment, but maybe they would play that for laughs. Ah, uh-huh, we gotta we gotta snap this body in half and then put it in this like. <laughs> Like I could that feel like that could be in here, and I'm like th- this is really good, probably like the best thing I read recently. But also like I don't know, it's weird because I'm I, I usually don't advocate for like oh the the unadultness of it is gonna hold it back from being great. Because usually when they like you know those creators get onto their first indie book and they're like oh I gotta load this with swears, and then I'm doing an indie book. So I don't think I need like swearing or anything, but. You need those dogs peeing, Kevin. Boobies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Oh, but there oh, is so much. There is so much good stuff in here. All right, I think we're gonna put a pretty little bow on this one and wrap it up and call it the beginning, the countdown to episode for our twentieth anniversary. <laughs> Boobies. Wow, <okay. laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Kevin, you. I know I should remember. Are you doing catchphrases in 2023? Uh, something like that. All right. Well, but, oh, well. but is it cinema? All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Boobies. No. Later. <laughs> you gave us a later. Sure.